Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to all our friends all around the world. This is Gingerly, episode 14. I'm Purple Sway 22, <laughs> and I'm here with Styled Pigeon. Hey, man, what's new with you, dude? Uh, not a whole lot's new other than merch. Merch, merch, I'm excited merch. About merch. Let's go. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I really like them. They look super cool. So, you know, everybody go to styledpigeon.com and get one. Uh, that'd be awesome. Big shout uh, but, out to you for turning around some purple merch for me so quickly after I complained about <laughs> it. I really appreciate it. I've been I've been rocking this all week. It's been good stuff. <laughs> nice. So obviously, so we're actually uh, doing uh, well. Okay, we've got a group of friends, and I'll probably be putting up new T-shirts and hoodies and different stuff um, here pretty soon. Um, I'm excited to play with some design and whatnot. I'm super happy about it. <laughs> yeah. No, they came together really well. So the one that we're looking at on screen right now is the one that I got. That's the black version. I got the purple version. And there's a bunch of different colors, right? There's like teal. There's uh, like a brown. Yeah, so lots of cool stuff at stylepigeon.com. Yeah, so easy enough. Um, but yeah, that's that's the big update for me. Um, other than, you know, obviously I've got stuff going on in the background. But lately, uh, work's been uh, pretty busy on the pharmaceutical side. So, um, yeah. you know, we're oh, scrambling against the current topic that we're about to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a super important topic. I think several Bitcoin live shows are going to be talking about it today, which is good. I'm glad. Um, thanks, Paul. Appreciate the shout out. The Style Pigeon merch is sweet. Um, but hey, before we dive into the show, I want to give a shout out to our, our uh, good sponsors, Roundly X. Uh, they're a simple to use app that allows you to round up your purchases into Bitcoin, which is super important that we're going to be talking about today uh, by only using your spare change. Every time you make a purchase, this set it and forget it dollar cost averaging tool helps you build wealth safely and conveniently over time. And it actually helped me pay off my Subaru in a time of financial stress. Um, you can sign up with code gingerly and actually they're increasing their referral fee right now. It's not $4 a Bitcoin. It's actually $15 a Bitcoin. So sign up with our code, get yourself $15 a Bitcoin, and then you'll have your own referral code and you can refer as many people as you want and stack those sats. It's going to be important. Um, so with that, uh, we want to dive in. Nick, could you roll the video, please? Awesome, awesome. Well, here we are, um, and we are all fed up. <laughs> That's the title of today's <laughs> episode, All Fed Up. Um, little play on words. <sighs> Today we're talking about the Fed. We're talking about um, the looming financial crisis that you may or may not know is going down. Um, but yeah, so so Pigeon, what's going on with the banks right now? <laughs> um, well, all hell's breaking loose again. Um, I say again because from what I've read and understand, we're basically experiencing almost the exact same issue that we did in 2008, which is the system that we have uh is becoming more and more of an issue and um i'm actually going to let you recap the history of what's happened in the last couple of weeks because you have a better handle on it than i do um i don't i'm not big on finance so i'm looking at it going oh yeah these are all the problems that i thought that we had and this yeah. is like the first time i've been aware of what's happening enough to uh be genuinely disturbed by it so um yeah. So the the catalyst initially was actually SVB, right? Yeah. So basically, this is all very recent information in like the last week, um, which is why we're focusing this episode on it. But SVB, uh, you may have seen in the news, all like Silicon Valley Bank is the name of it. Um, 
they the bank failed. So they kind of just went bankrupt all of a sudden. Um, and it was it was kind of a shock to everybody. Um, and, and there's still a lot of finger pointing and like blame going around for, you know, what exactly caused this particular crash. Um, but I, that's kind of beside the point. Like it's not what what one thing happened recently that made Silvergate Bank crash, because shortly thereafter, uh, I said Silvergate, Silicon Valley Bank crashed. And then shortly thereafter, Silvergate Bank crashed. And shortly thereafter, Signature Bank crashed. And so there was these big institutions that went under. Um, a lot of these institutions focus on, um, you know, they're not just your standard banks. They do a lot of crypto banking. So crypto companies that need, you know, a US dollar on ramps. Um, but it's not just crypto companies. A lot of people wanted to say, oh, this is the government just attacking crypto banks. It's also startups like venture capital um, down to things like Etsy or, you know, shop.com, um, the self-employed, like creative build your own business types. Um, those were all secured through Sil Silicon Valley Bank um, and those other ones. And basically with those banks crashing, it harkens back to the financial crisis of 2008 um, where all of those so, banks crashed. So we don't really know ultimately what flipped these banks. Yeah, they right, haven't yeah. told us. There's a okay. variety of causes. Um, there's some really suspicious stuff that happened around Silvergate um, that their their board of directors. So they were informed that they were insolvent. Basically, um, their board of directors didn't know their chairman didn't know that they were going to be shut down. They were literally told by the government, hey, you're getting bailed out like that's it. And the chair said that he thought that it was over crypto. It was a strong anti crypto statement. And maybe that is um, and we can get into why we think that is. But like. Basically, these are just the first dominoes falling. Uh, Signature Bank. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, I appreciate that correction. So not Silvergate um, was the one that <laughs> so was just. So does down. the crash have anything to do with everyone starting their banks with the same letter? That's what possibly I yes. Yeah. Are, are, is the federal government just trying to confuse me? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, that would be a good tactic right now, right? Um, but like, so when I first heard about all this stuff going on, I was like, oh, this is scary. You know, like, okay, it's just an anti-crypto thing whatever, you know, maybe it's not that big a deal, but then larger banks like First Republic Bank and even Credit Suisse. So like, even if you don't know much about banking, you've heard of Swiss banks and Credit, Swi Credit Suisse is one of the larger Swiss banks out there. Um, and they are in big trouble. Like they're looking for bailouts. There's several different institutions that are looking to help them out. The Swiss government, um, UBS is another one. And then just a few minutes ago, I saw an announcement that Justin Sun, the founder of the Tron cryptocurrency, offered $1.5 billion to bail out Credit Suisse, which what a weird world we're in. <laughs> but um, but if Swiss banks are flex, having problems, but... no, I mean, yeah, absolutely. It is. <laughs> but like we're, we're, we're going to bail you out with crypto. Yeah, we'll save you, man. But aren't, I mean, OK, as we'll discuss, I think yeah. that that might actually happen, just not with Justin Sun and Tron. But um. <laughs> Yeah, some interesting things happening right now. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks for pulling that up, Nick. You, you can read the article about it. It just broke earlier um, earlier today. So some breaking news on Gingerly. Um, but yeah, I wanted to start off by just kind of like talking about how similar the situation is to the 2008 financial crisis. Because if you're all right, so me and Pigeon were in our 30s when it was 2008, like our parents were dealing with, you know, the, the crisis hardcore. Um, I studied it extensively in high school and college. Um, 
And basically we know like this is something that was the largest failure in our generation. And I would have thought that it would have been a learning point for us, right? Like this is something mm -hmm. that we should not repeat, <laughs> but here we are and similar things are happening. Um, and from what I'm seeing, it looks like that it's worse than in 2008. So what's the similar thing that's happening um, that we need to be concerned about? Because in 2008, it had to do with basically wrapped mortgages that were hiding the insolvency. And right. then uh, once that insolvency came to fruition, it crashed the banks and they had to be bailed out by the federal government. Um, right. But here, this is a totally different situation. These aren't these aren't mortgages that we're talking about. There was something else that caused the insolvency, if unless I'm mistaken. Now, granted, we still don't know because no one's telling us anything. And supposedly they're trying to figure it out. Um, you know, good old Yellen is on the case and and amazingly competent, clearly. So clearly. Um, God, I've been watching uh, courtroom or uh, what do you call those uh, hearings and whatnot all week mm -hmm. and just like shaking my head at the ridiculousness that happens but it's so my original question is what's the similarity here yeah so i mean the end result basically so what happened at the end is that the the fed announced that they're going to be bailing out the banks now what does that mean like in 2008 and and to be clear supposedly you know yellen has said and the white house has said these aren't bailouts and the taxpayer won't pay for these which i think is a load of bs um yeah. So, at, but at the end of the day, it was the federal government basically paying off these banks' mistakes. They were just printing money and they were giving them to the banks and being like, all right, we're not going to let you go under because you're too big to fail. And so we're going to print all this money and you're going to be okay. Um, and what happened is that crashed the economy, right? Because we just injected a ridiculous amount of money into the system extremely quickly. And when you raise supply that fast and demand can't keep up, everything crashes. So, gotcha. so how much money are they, have they talked about how much money they're talking about injecting in order to save the banks? So far, um, the number that I saw was, so just for First Republic Bank, it was like 30 billion. Um, I believe that the total is somewhere around 300 billion that they're injecting. So like, and, and by comparison, in 2008, the total that they injected was 500 billion. So like half a trillion dollars. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's what we're looking at. We're looking at three, three to 500, at least last that I heard billion dollars being injected into the system. Um, so if you look at the the monetary chart of like how this compares to 2008, the spikes of money injected are about the same. It's about the same amount of money. Okay. Um, so, so what they do is they have a bank, right? And that bank is then poorly managed. Um, due to a lack of ability to predict the future. And then when those banks fail, the federal government, because of some reason, I'm not clear on, decides to simply make more money for the people who poorly managed the banks in the first place. So yeah, poor risk management, as Paul's saying. Um, that's a, definitely the way to say it, as opposed yeah, to my yeah. weird ramblings. But um, so poor risk management leads to them failing and then the uh, federal government must bail them out because basically why are we helping these private companies? So, I mean, that's a great question. Um, but 
the way that the system works and like, okay, so I just want to pull back a little bit and remind everyone that this is gingerly and we're not going to get everything a hundred percent right in terms of, you know, the exact descriptors or numbers or whatever. But the goal is to say, you know, here's basically what's going on. And the person that doesn't understand, we want to be as simple as possible. Right. So essentially banks operate in a way where they don't have to keep all of their money on hand. The way that they do this is that they used leveraged loans. They loan out your money to other people to try and make more money for themselves to be able to keep the system going. And what that means is that usually at any given day, anywhere from like zero to 30% of their total money in the bank is actually on hand. So what that means is if a hundred percent of the people that bank with say first bank go and try to withdraw their money, only about 30% max most of the time would be able mm -hmm. to actually withdraw their money. And that's the system that we've been living off of since Nixon took us off of the gold standard. Okay. Okay, cool. So in principle, um, we have private organizations that we let borrow our money and they poorly manage that money. And so the federal government's going to devalue the money that I still have in my pocket in order to save those people. Yeah, exactly right. Basically, like I think, so it's a bank run. Like what really kicked all of this off was a, a good old fashioned bank run. When people start to realize, hey, these, this this particular bank, so like so Silvergate or, or Silicon Valley Bank, SVB, they're mismanaging funds. They, I don't think that they have all of my money on hand. What's the first thing that you want to do? You want to get, get all back. of your money out of there. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what happened. And people found out pretty much overnight that SVB didn't actually have all the money available, but that's not a surprise. All banks operate that way, you know? Right. And so then Silvergate and Credit Suisse and all of these people that hold large amounts of money for people like venture capitalists who only have like, so VCs, I, I work for a startup, like we have a year's worth of runway and that's like a lot, you know, like some mm -hmm. of these people only have a couple months worth of runway. And if you lose that, you're going under. Imagine what would happen if like, so I heard that 50% of all VCs banked with SVB. Imagine if 50% of all venture capital, like all of the, the new projects and the innovation that's happening in the US just goes bankrupt yeah. overnight. It would be overnight too. It, yeah. Totally. And, and that's what we're seeing play out in real time right now. Like we I, like, I just want to backpedal a little bit. So I have a major in political science. I moved to Washington, D.C. when I was young with my newly married wife in order to try and get into the system and make a difference for the better. And I left Congress <laughs> extremely jaded and feeling like everyone inside our trades, no matter of the party, unelected officials can control all of our money and we can't do anything about it. Banks only have fractional reserve. And we can't withdraw all of our money. And it's not even our money. It's their money when you give it to them, you know? Yeah. So what are we going to do? I, I, They're literally repeating the exact same mistakes that they made in 2008 after they said like, oh, this is a one-time thing. We've learned our lesson. We're never doing this again. And now here we are, you know, we're in so, the same situation. So why not? What's the problem with this, right? Is because you could say that maintaining the system is worth a little sacrifice hmm i mean how much sacrifice are we talking about here like a little sacrifice could mean like i mean 
just since the pandemic, we know that inflation has cost us at least 40 to 50% of our purchasing power. Since the pandemic, that's only three years. I mean, I don't know about you, but I didn't get a 50% raise over the past three years. You know no, what I mean? I didn't either. <laughs> so that's the level of sacrifice that we're talking about. Like, like Okay, so I, I want to address the argument uh, because I think it's a foolish argument in the to begin with. And the problem with the argument is that it sounds so good. Mm -hmm. um it's it's well it's for the children right um we have to keep the system going otherwise our children will starve yeah but the problem is that the system might lead to your children starving anyway yeah that's true. the argument is really it's worth a little sacrifice to maintain the status quo yeah but if you're not happy with the status quo then why maintain it <laughs> why why again you know i go back to you know i'm selfish uh intentionally i i've thought about it a lot i think that the best thing to do is to be selfish because if you don't have anything you can't give anything and right. so you have to have stuff before you can take care of your family right if yeah. if you were to do the most selfish thing you take care of the things you love and that's your family and if everyone took really good care of their families we'd have a pretty good society running um and so in that selfishness i i look at banking crises and things and and then i open my wallet and look at these pieces of paper that i have that keep me fed and i wonder you know if, if that suddenly goes away what other option do i have and you know what in 2008 there wasn't an option you know there there mm -hmm. was and i was thinking about this so you sent me a fascinating chart about gold um that we can get into here in a little while but back in the 20s, during the Great Depression, 100 years ago, when this exact same thing happened, right? So yep. 100 years later, we're having the exact same problem. People went to gold. And back then, gold was much more difficult to manipulate because we didn't have the technology to manipulate it. Mm -hmm. But in 2008, we did have the technology to manipulate gold. And the people that were in charge of crashing the market by injecting tons of money knew that. And so it was much more difficult for people to escape into sound money. Well, thank goodness, a pseudonymous person named Satoshi Nakamoto was so angry in 2008 that they created an alternate currency based off of math that would be limited to 21 million tokens, and that's Bitcoin, and that's why we're here. So I think that this time around is actually a lot larger than last time around in terms of like the potential for change. Um, a lot of people, I think rightly so, get depressed and like really sad about like, what am I going to do, you know? They're inflating my money away. If you understand the fiat system to any degree without Bitcoin, you should be depressed. There's nothing that you can do to like stop these people from inflating your money away. You know, there's yeah. nowhere to escape to. But thank goodness there's Bitcoin. Um, and so kind of that like that leads on to my next part of the outline, which is how has Bitcoin reacted? This is kind of the moment that it was literally built for in 2008. Yeah. Um and a lot of people, and I mean, if you go back and watch our previous episodes, um, you know, there's been a lot of skepticism about, are we actually in a bear or a bear market or a bull market, or is this run up actually real again? And in the last week, Bitcoin has moved substantially. I mean, it's been, I think something like 15 to 17% um, just in a week. And uh, I would say that that's people realizing that it's a repeat. It's the exact same situation as before. Uh, and so Bitcoin started to take off. Yeah. Interesting. And so 
I've been seeing some people saying that uh, Bitcoin's going to be over a million dollars in the next three months. Yeah. So this is crazy. Um, there's so there there's this crypto Twitter personality that I've been following for quite quite some time. Um, his name is Balajis, or I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce it, but it's B A L A J I S. Um, and he was former CTO of Coinbase. Uh, he's built a lot of different stuff. He worked with Anderson Horowitz for a while. Um, pretty reputable guy. Like I was, you yeah. know, I, I don't tend to follow like intense shit coiners. I'm not going to name names because I don't want to get sued. But <laughs> there are people out there who are like that, where if you talk shit about them, you know, like on a show, you're going to get you're going to get sued. And that's just ridiculous. That's anti Bitcoin, in my opinion. So so this guy, I'm like, OK, yeah, I think he's he's a solid dude. He, he has good material. Literally this past week. He made a one million dollar bet that Bitcoin is going to be at a million dollars per Bitcoin in ninety days, and he's serious. He's actually doing it, and it blows my mind. I was like, this when I first heard about it. I was like, this has got to be a joke. There's no way that this is legit. But like, it's happening for real. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I wish I had a million dollars to gamble. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, and so there's been lots <laughs> of speculation. Yeah, yeah. There's been lots of speculation about like why he would do this kind of thing. Um, and that's part of it. Like he does have a really high net worth. So $1 million to him like is like a drop in the bucket on, on the one hand. Um, but on the other hand, it's sparked national conversation about Bitcoin and about what could this guy possibly know that would lead him to believe that Bitcoin is going to be worth a million dollars in just three months. Yeah. You know, there's it's, a variety it, of options. It's really clever, actually. I mean, like being in sales, you know, how do you get people to look at your product is always a, a big challenge. You know, mm -hmm. like, how do I get you interested off the bat? And I think that this is a wonderful PR move to yeah. get people interested in Bitcoin. And honestly, I, I'm not in total disagreement with the potential. Like if in the next 90 days, something the the wave continues then we might actually need something to bail out the government with right yeah 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 so paul says it's a marketing ploy and now it's two million yeah so i the way that the bet works out is that he's wagering one million dollars that bitcoin will be at a million by the time that it hits there he's basically buying bitcoin at one million dollar valuation right now so basically the way the math works out, it's like 2 million. Um, I, I kind of agree with Paul that it's a marketing stunt. Like, look, I've been around for a bunch of bull runs myself. Two bull runs ago, John McAfee, rest in, rest in peace, bro, uh, said that he would eat his own dick if Bitcoin hit $100,000. He didn't end up eating his own dick. Like, you know, it was a, <laughs> Good. It was a publicity stunt. definitely not stunt. sanitary. I'm glad too. Yeah, but like then this past run up, Michael Saylor taking on outrageous amounts of debt to like, prove a point and buy Bitcoin was the narrative. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, Mr. B-Man from Coin, Coinbase is the narrative this time around. He's making, he's the thing that's making everyone talk about this, but I don't think that that's a bad thing. Um, but I do want to kind of like move the conversation to like, why would he make this bet? Is he just okay. wasting a million dollars or, you know, okay, so he's got two bets for a million dollars each. Okay, thanks, Paul. Yeah, so this is evolving as it goes. He just keeps upping, upping the ante. Uh, but basically... I think that there's two possible scenarios where he could be right. One scenario is the 
injection of money that the Fed is putting into the system is going to be exponentially worse than it was in 2008 mm -hmm. because of where we are, right? We, we have stayed on the same system since 2008. And even though the Fed has tried to keep things in control, it can't. It always has to go back to printing money because that's the way that fiat works. And basically, uh, Balaj is saying that it's going to crash soon. Like this is the last leg of hyperinflation. I don't know. Maybe yeah. that's right. But that's scary, in my opinion. If that's actually going to happen, like in Germany, that happened that fast back in you know, during the World Wars, where you had to have like something like a billion marks to buy a loaf of bread or something like that. Yeah. Um, that I mean, it's possible. Another option is, and I've said this on Bitcoin Live even way before they were a production company and just to show, I think that it's going to, a nation state or even just a state like Texas or Florida could just wake up one day and decide, hey, I'm really tired of participating in this US dollar fiat system where my citizens are being crushed regularly. I'm going to either use my treasury or in the case of a nation state, I'm going to print as much fiat as I possibly can and buy as much Bitcoin as I possibly can today and not do it slow, not try and dollar cost average in, just start buying as fast as you could go. And mm -hmm. something like that could run Bitcoin to a million dollars faster than 90 days, in my opinion. Um, wow. And that's possible. I mean, you know, Texas, Florida, <clears throat> there's even like, I don't know if you heard about this, there's some counties in Oregon that are looking to secede to Idaho <laughs> uh, just because of like, well, you know, but you know what I'm saying? Like, there's all these states that are like, hey, I'm tired of being screwed <laughs> over by this system. I'm yeah. going to like go do my own thing now. And Bitcoin is like, the only real safe haven other than gold. I mean, and why would you pick gold over Bitcoin at this point? Yeah, well, and also, you know, if Elon takes us to space, gold is going to plummet in value as well. Um, oh, yeah. Like if we actually manage to have some degree of uh, interplanetary travel. Mm -hmm. um, and you're talking about like space mining, right? Yeah, yeah. Space yeah. mining will crush gold. I mean, it'll mm -hmm. become completely valueless now obviously that might not happen for another 150 200 years i don't know um but i mean we it's could possible. discover we could discover something in physics tomorrow and it happened in the next two years so right. like I, I just don't know um i was well okay i won't get totally off topic but there's some cool stuff happening <laughs> in physics right now um yeah. anyway so all of this leads us to where what are what's the oh i wanted to talk about burning it down that was the the next i yeah. feel like flow of conversation for me is i i'm resistant to change i am risk averse and i don't like change um it's not my thing i don't like the idea of the radical like the fiat system's broken and therefore we have to burn it all to, to the ground in a bloody conflict that uh completely shifts all of the balance of power globally right that sounds super scary to me and the last time that happened was like the world wars right, right. like mm -hmm. that's the last time we had such a major shift in the balance of power and i don't want that so me either yeah what's so but i'm looking at it going like i don't i don't know what the other option is how do we how do we transition from the current system that's seems to be failing for the most part to a new system altogether. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, it's something I've been thinking about a lot. I mean, like I mentioned earlier in the show, I, I spent four years of my life majoring in political science so that I could go into the system and 
try and affect some change that wasn't burning stuff to the ground. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, we're friends with some anarchists who I would think, you know, like would be like, yeah, I do it. Actually, no, peaceful anarchy. So he's not. So it's different. Right. Yeah. But like I, I'm at that same place. Um, I think about in Amer early American history, you know, the Boston Tea Party. Um, the, those people were protesting a 3% tax increase. Can I just say 3%? I just finished paying 30% self-employment tax. Like it's time for a Boston tea party in my opinion, but I don't know what exactly that particular event is. I have some ideas that I'd like to hit towards the end of the show to maybe inspire some people. But I mean, I think I was on some conversations on Twitter in the last couple of days about taxes and about the system and all this kind of stuff. And I'm shocked at how many people still believe that the government as like this amorphous organization is either morally neutral or good. And they have resources to be able to do these morally good things for us. It's just not true. It's just a bunch of individuals that are there that are taking advantage of the system and if they're not currently taking advantage, they will eventually or they'll get voted out. So it's like, what can we do to affect change? Because um, so the current system, everyone's like, OK, FDIC is going to take care of this situation. Right. Mm -hmm. All the banks are insured. Well, if you start looking at the numbers, you know, for that's our big backstop of like this is going to save us. The FDIC only has one hundred twenty six billion dollars of insurance and all of the bank deposits in the U.S. are seventeen point six trillion dollars. You know what I mean? The FDIC is what the the government and Yellen and the White House are saying. Oh, it's going to be okay. Taxpayers don't have to worry. You know, all this stuff is insured. It, the, it, the numbers make zero sense at all. So, yeah. I like when I so when I start to think about what can I do that's not violent, like literally that's not going and burning banks to the ground because that's not going to help anything in my right. opinion. I agree. Um, yeah. It. it I don't if if it would, the world would be a better place after all the riots that happened in the last three years. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. not. So I, I I just like while I was preparing for this episode, I threw together a couple things that I think the people should be doing. Uh, one is buy Bitcoin. I know that's like we say it a lot, but if I I don't see US dollar increasing in value like anytime close to now. And I in fact I see it majorly decreasing in value even more than it has. Like like you said at the beginning of the episode, 50% down since the pandemic. I mean, we've got a long ways to go if we're doing the exact same thing we did in 2008, you know? So yeah. how do you how do you save your purchasing power? Because that's right. what it is at the end of the day. It's like, oh, it's not, don't think about it in dollars. Think about it in how much, like, because if you go to the grocery store right now, $20 can get you like two 12 packs of soda, you know? And it used to be 20 bucks at the grocery store could get you like, three to four days worth of food, you know, multiple meals worth a day. And yeah. we're not there anymore. So how can you preserve that? And I think that's buying Bitcoin. Um, I also think that the best possible way out of this whole thing is for state and local governments to buy Bitcoin. And I think that even rather than voting for people, because I had in my outline originally, I said vote and encourage legislation that's like pro Bitcoin. And I do think that there's a place for that. And you should go check out uh, our friend uh, Paul McNeil's show, Bitcoin is Freedom and Bitcoin in Politics, because he covers all the stuff that's in politics you should be aware of. But it could be as simple as just calling up your your you know local representative and saying, hey, I know we have a treasury. 
I'm really tired of being screwed over by the US dollar. I'd feel a lot more safer living here financially if our treasury had X amount of Bitcoin in it. And yeah. if they don't do that, at the very least, it gets them thinking about, oh, hey, maybe they have a point. Yeah, and they might have a staffer who's a Bitcoiner too, who they totally. can go to and be like, okay, so tell me about this nonsense. But then the Bitcoiner has a voice, an opportunity to actually influence the things in, in the way that your initial intention was to. Um, mm -hmm. But it starts with the people. That's something that uh, I'm really concerned over from an idea standpoint is a lot of this comes from the idea that we need big daddy state. Mm -hmm. And it's at there's a there's a very old story about a group of people who went through a, an extended period of time where they would um, be completely free and accept their own responsibility. And over time, them doing that would lead to some degree of corruption um, along the way. And after, as they get tired of bearing their own responsibility generation over generation, they would elect or have a king take over, a centralized authority. And subsequently, that centralized authority would also grow corrupt and would eventually um, become a tyrant over those people. Then there was always one person in the story who would come along and would in some way explain to the people that the king was no longer the answer that they needed to place the place their faith inside the uh thing that is inside of them the thing that is them that the individual is of utmost importance when it comes to building a society and they would believe that and they would then um return to some equivalent of democracy or be led by a deity of some sort um which i think is the divine inside of them in my head in the version of the story that i have and this conflict goes back and forth and the reason that this story is so important and the reason why it's been around for so long is because this is something that we see play out in the world all of the time is in in your life your life specifically there are times when you give up your autonomy for protection security and safety and right. Giving up that autonomy is not a good long-term solution to living your life. The truth is that we, we must, without a doubt, take on our own responsibility and become our own heroes. There's nobody coming to save you. Like John said, the, the FDIC only has so much money that they can throw at this problem. They can print more, but that makes the money that you have in your pocket less valuable. So how do we, the question comes down to this, how do we accept responsibility for our own money? Is there an amazing product out there who doesn't have any sort of centralized authority that we could participate in? And the answer is yes. Use Bitcoin. Ultimately, personally, I and this is not a recommendation, do what you want, figure it out for yourself. Again, Take responsibility, right? That's what I'm saying is take responsibility. But the ultimate answer ends up being Bitcoin. I mean, Bitcoin solves inflation because there's only 21 million of it. It solves uh, distribution because it's infinitely divisible. And it solves all of the backdoor BS like insider trading that we have going on 
because I can know exactly what's happening with the money. I can load it up on my computer and look at the whole damn ledger. Yep. If yeah. there's a if Nancy Pelosi's wallet is sending money to so and so who happens to be a <laughs> or yeah, like whatever it is, you We're know, whatever know. potential corruption is uh, I'm not saying anything against Nancy, you know, Nancy, <laughs> give me a call sometime. But <laughs> it's ultimately it's the hierarchy has been corrupted because we're all people. We're all just yeah. humans. Yes. And it's just like on this show. I'm I'm a noob at this stuff. I haven't been around for all that long. And already it it gives me thoughts long into the night about what I'm gonna do and how I'm gonna play this out. And I'm worried about what's gonna happen to me and my family. I'm trying to build my uh my metaphorical arc, if you will, and make some things happen. But uh, if a society ends up to be corrupt, then it's time for us to end the monarchy again. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, again, I don't want that to happen via a violent coup or anything. That's not what I'm suggesting at all, but we've always had an, the ability to vote. So vote appropriately. Um, vote with your wallet. That's exactly what I was going to get to. I was hoping you'd argue with me about like, no, voting's not going to do you any good. But yes, vote with your wallet. The way that you vote with your wallet is you do what you can. And like, um, I'll give you an example. Me and John <clears throat> might exchange a service. Well, since it's John, I'm not going to send him U.S. dollars. We will conduct our business in Bitcoin. Yeah, period. Yeah. That's just what we do, because we don't think ultimately we're we're longing Bitcoin. We're not longing fiat. What yeah. is fiat backed by? Nothing. 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 And people are waking up to that. Fiat is a confidence game. And if there's no confidence, the fiat doesn't have value. And hey, yeah, someone just commented that fiat is backed by violence. I think that's a great argument, actually. Yeah. So I hear all the time from Bitcoiners that Bitcoin is the peaceful revolution. I honestly think, so if you think about government for half a second, so the reason that the American experiment was so profoundly successful is because it combined democracy with this idea of a republic. You have both government and votes, and you have a constitution, and you have all these different systems, and voting worked for a long, long time. But when Nixon turned off the gold standard, when he took away the value and then instituted the Fed, he circumvented and and the government circumvented that pure, more pure system of a dem democratic republic and moved us towards being a fiat-powered oligarchy. Unelected officials who control the monetary supply run our country. That is not a conspiracy theory. It's fact. The, yeah, like, and you know what? It's even backed up by the current events in politics. Anybody who wants to know what's going on in our in our culture war thing right now, go look up the Bolshevik Revolution. Just yeah. read the Wikipedia story. You don't even have to dive deep. Just read briefly about the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia. Good luck spelling it, but you'll be able to find it. <laughs> uh, some AI bot will help you, I'm sure. And mm -hmm. uh, just read the story of what happened and then look at the fact that they're going after farmers in Europe right now. Yeah, no, you're so right. It's history repeats itself, right? Yep. If Or well, those who don't understand history are doomed to repeat it. And unfortunately, that's a lot of people. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, 100%. And so, like, I think that Bitcoin Including is the me, perfect probably. countermeasure. Bitcoin is the perfect countermeasure. They took away our monetary value to rule us with fiat, right? Mm -hmm. And Satoshi had enough, you know? I've had enough, but I'm not smart enough to create a whole entire math-based math currency, but someone did it, right? So this time around, it's different. The game is different. In 2008, in 1920, like... We didn't have a choice back then. We were doomed to be screwed over. But this time, you have a choice to vote with your wallet and pull your money out. If they want to rule you with your money, well, then decide to not participate in the system. Put your money into Bitcoin. They can't control Bitcoin. They can't control your money if it's outside of their system. And that's yeah. that's the powerful thing. Um, I've moved and, all over the... Oh, go, please. And watch what they do. Watch what they do as this process happens. Listen to the lies because that's how it works, right? This is not about bailout. This is not going to be a bailout. We're just going to print money and give it to the banks. We're not yeah. using any taxpayer dollars. We're just devaluing the dollars that they already have. Yep. Okay, so those are lies. They're bailing out the banks. They're stealing money from you, ultimately, because they're still, they're not stealing money from you. They're stealing value from your money. Purchasing um, power. Yeah, exactly. It goes back to purchasing power. So just watch as this transition starts to happen. As everyone's freaking out, it will be very controlled conversations. You will hear a lot of reassuring information that you want to believe, but probably won't actually add up. Just like we're talking about the FDIC, you know, only having so much money. Um, all of these things will happen. You will you will be able to pay attention and watch exactly what happens and. They're, they will act in fear and try and control the narrative. Yep. Happens every single time. And, and they're going to come You don't, you don't have to people. listen to us, even. Don't listen to us. Do your own research. Watch what happens. Yep. And then when you need help getting into Bitcoin, let us know because <laughs> we're exactly. here for you. We will, um, we will help with that. I got to say, so like when I share information with people about this, everyone gets really depressed and I understand it because if you don't understand how radically new and innovative Bitcoin is, it feels like we're doomed to have a you know terrible economy for years. Our money's not going to be worth anything. We're not going to be able to live, blah, 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 blah. But that's not true. Bitcoin offers a way out. Okay. And there is something that you can do about it. I've moved all over the United States and it's been a struggle to meet people and even just talk about normal things. But one thing that I've been able to do in every single state that I've lived in is just start a Bitcoin meetup because there are Bitcoiners around you. If you feel like you're alone or there's not anyone around and you can't affect change, go on to meetup.com and say, hey, Purple Suede is starting a meetup in Austin. And I've done this. I had a meetup in Austin. Like that's been great. Do it. People are going to show up. People are there. They want to learn. If they don't already know about Bitcoin, you can explore it with them and then you can help educate them. And those people, they start creating a, a rumbling in your local community that legislators have to pay attention to eventually, because if we take enough money out of the system, they're going to be in trouble. So I have a really funny story to share about this. Actually, uh, the other day I was talking to somebody about the new merch and um, they were like, well, like, can you use the Bitcoin logo? I mean, isn't somebody going to sue you? Like somebody at Bitcoin is going to sue you, right? The CEO of Bitcoin. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, come come with me for a second. Like, yes. let's go over here and talk let and me uh, let me explain to you why 
this, nobody's coming after me for using the Bitcoin logo. Um, and it was, oh man, it just, every time it makes me laugh, <laughs> but it's actually really serious, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's so interesting to me to watch meme culture and Bitcoin be together somehow, um, mm -hmm. which by the way, memes is just the new mythology. Like it's, that's all it True. is, right? It's, yeah. it's uh, something that can instantaneously be in your mind. That's why we think it's art. And um, the ideas that are in Bitcoin being shared via memes is again, one of those things that's like this, the situation has never been quite like this before. Mm -hmm. And while I'm not a big fan of DGENs taking over the world because I'm <laughs> deep down, I'm a posh asshole. Um, <laughs> while I'm not like, I, I definitely prefer fine art to uh, PFPs. Degenerates. But yeah. Just, you know, Keck, <laughs> Keck can only get me so far personally, as far as art goes. But uh, all of that, stuff is is so interesting to me to watch and i think that history will end up looking back on this and viewing it as the like almost cyberpunk revolution where it's like okay the the internet changed everything we just mm -hmm. didn't realize it yet um yeah. and um thanks for pulling up my stuff nick um i appreciate that y'all go buy some meant some warrior pigeons um but okay sorry i'm totally distracted um all of this comes down to we can buy bitcoin in order to stave off uh the hunger that is going to result from fiat collapsing right yeah uh, because bitcoin's a store of value and so if you want to have value in your pocket aka money Bitcoin's not going anywhere. No, anywhere but up. In yeah, my opinion. and like well, mine too. I, I want to say like something to keep in mind is if Bitcoin does go to a million dollars in ninety days, it could very well be that that's because the dollar is worth nothing. Okay, and so yeah, Bitcoin's yeah. going to do fine with or without us. Uh, good point. Like, but like when whenever you see price at a million dollars, just think. Do I want to actually turn my Bitcoin back into these dollars that can't purchase nearly what they used to? Like a million dollars this year is going to be like nothing, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, that's actually funny because that's a thing that I keep going back and forth on is like in my wealth development uh, mindset, like trying to actually make money at some point. Um, I'm going, OK, Bitcoin's going to go up and then I go, but then what? Yeah. And I'm like, well, like, I'm just going to keep holding the Bitcoin yeah, like, until yeah. it's the monetary system. That's right. that's the idea is um, I already know what a sat is worth mm -hmm. to me. And it's yeah. it's almost infinite. Like, yeah, worth a if, lot more than it's worth right now. That's if for you sure. could if you could free me from the financial situation that's led my entire generation to be borderline unable to buy a house or yeah. own any property whatsoever. Yeah, that's the that's the thing that I want. Uh, yeah. That's valuable to me. Um, and then I can tie back the NFTs that Nick pulled up because they're all about values. Mm -hmm. um, sorry, I was I got to connect it. We need to do it. We need to do an episode about the value of the warrior pigeons, and maybe we'll do like storytelling in Web three eventually or something like that. That'll be fun. Yeah. Um, oh, storytelling yeah. on Web three would be fun. 
Yeah. So we'll see. I think that's been something I've been tossing around because we talk about narrative all the time. And I think that narrative is a really important part of everything that's going on right now. And like you mentioned with the meme culture and Bitcoin, mm-hmm. memes can be the way that Bitcoin can infiltrate the, the average mind, you know, and so storytelling is really important. Um, and I want to have that conversation. Um, but so, to, but so to wrap up here, I mean, the, the message is very clear, like, please take this seriously. Like I know, I've been saying nation states are going to buy Bitcoin for a long time and and like all this kind of stuff. But the level of financial crisis that is looming above us right now does not happen regularly. And it's not just something to be scared of. It's an immense opportunity. People like us, like me and Pigeon, if you're watching this show, people like you, you are the people that are able to make the system better. And it's with your wallet, it's with Bitcoin, and it's with helping other people understand. Because the only way out of this is like this that i know of if there's anything else that's better that'll get us out of this situation please come on this show and tell me about it yeah. i would love I, to know i think one of the ultimate like interactions with our community would be to have people having conversations about bitcoin with uh with other people who don't know about it and mm-hmm. running into walls mm-hmm. and you run into that wall and you go oh shoot you know what actually i don't know how to answer that question very well hit us up on Twitter and let us deal with that question. Yeah. We can have these conversations. Yeah. Yeah. We're more than happy to interact, to help, to even just help you formulate your argument. Even if you know what the answer is and you just can't like put it in a way that somebody can understand it. I would love to have those conversations with people um, because my whole reason for being interested or not interested in Bitcoin, but my whole reason for like producing content around Bitcoin is the predominance of devs who aren't the best salespeople in the world. And I'm in sales. Like this is what I do is, is formulate ways to uh, communicate things properly so that I can transfer my enthusiasm from myself to you. Uh, So if there's guidance needed or even just input like sounding board type stuff, hit us up on Twitter at purple 22 or at styled pigeon. And we will be more than happy to have those discussions. That would be amazing. Yep, that's why I'm here. I, I got started in being public about crypto because people weren't just putting it in plain English. And that's what I'm passionate about. So, um, yeah, I feel like that's a great note to end on. Um, we've got some really good content in the pipeline coming down soon. Um, hopefully that content gets here faster than the global economic destruction that we're talking about. <laughs> Fingers <laughs> yeah, crossed. Um, if some people get their bets correct, that may not be the case. But um, hey, if Bitcoin hits a million, I will be doing a special gingerly stream to celebrate. Yes. I, <laughs> I will sure. be drinking. Okay, hang on. If Bitcoin hits a million dollars, I've got the uh, oh the, the gingerly gingerly that, uh, bottle yeah. of cider. This is getting opened. <laughs> this like twelve dollar bottle of cider is, is getting opened if Bitcoin hits a million dollars. Oh, that's the most Bitcoiner thing ever. <laughs> I love it. That's fantastic. No, we're not going to live stream naked, Matt. Yeah, take it easy. Take it. Uh, easy. We oh. we do have some decorum. I mean, <laughs> might be DJ. Believe it or Jesus. not. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, hey, pigeon. Thanks for the time. Um, I want to give everyone a quick reminder uh, that you can get 15 bucks worth of Bitcoin if you sign up with the referral code gingerly. Get started on your Bitcoin journey. Um, RoundlyX helps you stack Bitcoin every time you spend. So if you feel like you can't save, RoundlyX is a great way to do it. Um, but yeah, get blah, 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 blah. get Bitcoin, hit us up, help us spread the, the word. You know, 
we're, this is hope that people didn't have in 2008. And, um, I think that it could be a huge positive for change. Um, so yeah, until next time, two weeks from now, peace. It was good. See you guys. Have a great Nick, week. Nick, roll the video.